0: I invite you to turn with me to your Bibles, that were very well-known portion of Scripture, Luke chapter 2. I want to read the first 20 verses, the account of the birth of Christ. I'm going to be looking at the entire narrative with you this morning. We're going to work through all 20 of those verses together. We will look at this passage again this afternoon, Lord willing, and again also tomorrow morning. But then we'll look at different aspects of this narrative. But this morning I want to read the entire narrative and go through it with you. So hear the word of God with me. Luke chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he add his blessing to the hearing, the reading, and the preaching of his word again this morning. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, gathered here in Bowmanville with me this morning. This morning, along with Christians all over the world, we will journey once again to Bethlehem. We'll once again listen to the glorious Christmas gospel. It's that same old, old, but ever new and ever wonderful Christmas story that we have the privilege of hearing again this morning. We find it in the gospel of Luke chapter 2, the first 20 verses, and we read it together. And it's all so familiar. We've heard it so many times and it's all so simple that even our little children can repeat it and even they can share in it and tell its joy. And it's a story that never grows old. We hear it every year again and yet every year again it takes on more meaning and it becomes ever more glorious for us. And and, and, and we hear the holy angels singing or saying glory to God in the highest and we see the shepherds running to find their Savior, and we see them kneeling in worship at the manger, and over it all, over it all, through the eyes of our faith, we see amazing grace, for we see the cross of Golgotha. There is good news. There is good news. There is great glad tidings to be found here at the manger for each and every one of God's children this morning. No matter in what circumstances that the child of God finds himself on this day, Bethlehem, the message of Bethlehem, holds hope and consolation. If your heart is filled with sorrow this morning, then come with us to Bethlehem and see with us the one who was called man of sorrows for you. Perhaps you're troubled by a load of sin and guilt. And come with us to Bethlehem and come and see him who was made sin for you in order that you might be clothed with his righteousness before God. Perhaps you're depressed, anxious, maybe even despairing. Perhaps life is just not going right for you. Then come with us to Bethlehem and see him who shared in all of our infirmities. Come to Bethlehem and see him who was like us in all things, sin accepted. Are you lonely? Then come to Bethlehem and see him who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is there illness in your life or in your home? Again, come to Bethlehem and see him who heals all our diseases. Does the prospect of having to die Or the prospect of losing a precious mate, a parent, or even a child through death? Is that troubling you? Then come to Bethlehem and see him who died our death and who said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that dies and believes in me shall never die. Are you perhaps sick and tired? sick and tired and weary of all of the political corruption? Are you weary of the lawlessness and the immorality in the world around you? Once more I extend to you the invitation to come with us to Bethlehem to see him who is Lord of lords and King of kings who promised, behold, I come quickly to make all things new. Oh, we begin to capture already the awesomeness, the all-inclusiveness the all-encompassing significance of the birth of Christ in Bethlehem for God's children. Come with me then, as once again this morning, we want to marvel at the miracle of Bethlehem. So I want to minister God's word to you this morning, using as my simple theme, the announcement of the Savior's birth, the announcement of the Savior's birth. The story is quickly told. It is the greatest story ever told, and it's given us in all simplicity with a minimum of words and just a few short verses in all of the 66 books of the Scripture. We read, And a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, each in his own country. A decree from Caesar? Yes, indeed. But only in the providence of God. It was actually a decree from God. Had God not promised long ago that the Savior of the world would come and would be born in Bethlehem? Well then, under the providence of God, a decree went out from Augustus that would bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, where she would bear her firstborn child. God is bringing to pass his faithful promise. And not even the mighty Caesar can prevent it. In fact, Caesar Augustus would become nothing more than an instrument, a puppet, if you will, in the hands of our sovereign God. Unknowingly and unwittingly, Augustus will cooperate in God's sacred history to fulfill the scriptures. All of the world will serve God's cause, and God's cause was to save a lost mankind through the birth and the death of his only begotten son, who was to be born in Bethlehem. And a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, everyone in his own country. We see them going, Joseph and his virgin bride, two simple, ordinary people making their way across the plains. We see nothing extraordinary about them but in her womb, under her heart, Mary carries the very Son of God. They make their way to Bethlehem, and while they were there, the time had come for Mary to be delivered, but there was no place for them in the inn. The town was crowded. The town was full of travelers who, like themselves, had come to have their names recorded in the census decreed by Augustus. Perhaps it's even possible that the inn was full because of all of the officials who would be necessary in taking that census. We don't know, but God knew. God knew that the inn would be full. God not only knew, God had planned it that way. God had planned that there would be no room in the inn. It was necessary that Christ would be born, not in riches, but in abject poverty. Was that not the very reason for his coming in the first place? Was he, was he not made poor so that we might be made rich? There was no room in the inn. They found room in the stable. And there among the animals, Mary brought forth her firstborn son. Her firstborn, indeed, but also God's firstborn. The firstborn of every creature in whom all fullness dwells. And she laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Imagine that with me. Imagine that—no room for the Son of God in Bethlehem. The Lord of Heaven and Earth comes into the world, and no room. Imagine that. The birds of the air have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man, who is a, who is the ruler of heaven, has no room to lay his head. We hope to hear yeah. more more Thanks. of that, Lord willing, this afternoon. But no room. No room in the inn. Indeed, no room. No room in the inn. No room in Bethlehem. No room in all the world. It's still so today. Lots of room for Christmas. Lots of room for trees and tinsel and presents, but no room for Jesus. All around us this season, we see the sights that dazzle, but no room for the Christ of Christmas. Just a few miles away lies the holy city of God, Jerusalem. But the holy city of God lies in slumber. The city of God sleeps. Jerusalem is totally oblivious. Jerusalem is totally ignorant to the promise of God being fulfilled in Bethlehem at that moment. Imagine that as well with me. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city of God. Jerusalem, Jerusalem with its temple. Jerusalem with her holy priests. Jerusalem with her prophets and her kings. Fast asleep. Oh, tragically, Jerusalem, the city of God, has been asleep for a long time. Jerusalem, the city of God that stones and kills the prophets. Jerusalem, the city of God, sleeps the sleep of death while God brings into the world the word of life incarnate. The mystery and the wonder of the manger escapes Jerusalem because Jerusalem sleeps. Later it would be Jerusalem, the city of God, that would crucify this child that was born this day in Bethlehem. The mystery and the wonder of the manger is missed completely by Jerusalem and still so today. The true joy of this birth escapes most of the world. Oh, indeed, the world celebrates her Merry Christmas But in reality, the world slumbers, the world sleeps, the world sleeps the sleep of death. God continues to work out his plan of salvation, especially each Sunday again. But the world makes no effort to greet him. The world has no room for Christ. The world has no room or time for church. The world sleeps, the world sleeps in on Sunday morning. The world sleeps the sleep of death, eternal death. But they're in the same country, shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Capture the contrast with me. These men, these lowly shepherds, they were not sleeping. No, they were wide awake watching over their flocks. But even more, they were hoping, they were waiting, longing for the coming of the Messiah. He had been promised, but God had tarried for so long already. And yet, and yet they waited. They waited upon the Lord to fulfill his covenant faithfulness. And lo, The angel of the Lord appears to them... And the darkness of the night is pierced by the glory of God shining all around them. This great news, the news for which they had waited. Israel's hope and expectation was announced, and, and, and they were terrified by the awesomeness that surrounded them. And then they hear, do not, do not be afraid. For I bring you tidings of great joy, for unto you is born this day in a city of in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was with the angel a great multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And the shepherds immediately respond in great joy and anticipation, come, come, let us go, let us us go and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came and they found it as the angel had told them. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They worshipped him. They returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. We hope to hear more of that tomorrow morning. The scripture tells us these shepherds were sore afraid. First they see and they hear one angel making the announcement. One angel opens the gates of heaven and he steps out. And that already would evoke great fear. Imagine yourself awaking to see an angel standing at your bedside. But then suddenly the heavens explode as an entire heavenly host, an angelic choir, sings or says glory to God. And the shepherds, they trembled in fear. No wonder. For the glory of the Lord shone around them. When suddenly the quiet of the dark night was shattered over the plains of Africa by the dazzling appearance of angels, they were struck with fear. Those shepherds were afraid. They were suddenly enveloped by the, by the glory of God, and they were afraid. No wonder the glory of God, the light of God, the presence of God brings with it a consciousness of sin before God. When you stand in the rays of that light, you see your sin as you have never seen them before. And rightly so, does it make us afraid? And my dear people of God, that is precisely why the world does not see the Christ at Christmas time. The world sleeps. The world walks in darkness. Why? Because the world refuses to see her sin before God. That's the world's whole problem. You see, congregation, in God's light, you see your offense before the face of a holy God. When God first shines his glorious light upon us, then we see our sin as God sees them. And that's what frightened the shepherds in the fields. They knew themselves to be people of unclean lips and impure hearts and they knew themselves to be in the presence of a thrice holy God and they were afraid and, 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 and is now to still that tr- terrible fear that the first word of the angel is do not be afraid. People God, that's the that is the first word of the glad tidings of great joy. That's the first word of those glad tidings. Great though our sins may be, Though they be too many to count, though they be red like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. For God's messenger says, Do not be afraid. The shepherds along with every trembling child of God hears those words, and peace like a river floods the very soul. For it is well, it is well with my soul because of Christmas. The angel continues, Fear not, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. No long involved sermon here. Just a simple sentence containing the very heart of the Christmas Gospel. For unto you is born this day a Savior. What a glorious message for those who had understood their sinful and their lost condition. You have a Savior. God's wrath against sin hung over their heads and now out of that misery deliverance for unto you, it says, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Savior is given to you the greatest gift of all. He will give his righteousness. He will give his sinlessness. He will give you forgiveness. He will give you eternal life. That Savior, says the angel, is Christ the Lord God's anointed God's appointed from all eternity he is anointed as your high priest and appointed as your savior and that savior is your way out of the morass his name is wonderful counselor the everlasting father the prince of peace his name means savior forgiveness peace blessedness life now and forever oh good tidings then tidings of great joy indeed was the good news brought first to the shepherds of all the people in the world that the Lord could have come to with this news he came to these lowly shepherds God chose a group of poor humble, unimportant even unknown shepherds shepherds were outcasts in the eastern culture and yet the angel came to the shepherds God didn't go to Caiaphas or to Pilate God didn't go to Caesar or Herod God didn't go to the mighty world leaders and announce the birth of the king of kings. And once again, we are reminded of the scriptures teaching that the the wisdom of God chooses foolish things to confound the wise. It is the wisdom of God that hides the good news of the kingdom from the wise and the prudent and reveals it to babes because it seemed good to him in his sight. And so the message is to you this morning. It is to you this morning as it was to those waiting shepherds. The angel tells them, for to you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who is it now that is being referred to? Well, it certainly was for the shepherds, but it certainly wasn't limited or restricted to them. For whom then is this Savior intended? And the answer is at hand remember the message of the angel given to Mary when it was announced that she would conceive by the Holy Spirit the angel comes to Mary and says blessed are you, blessed are you among women, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will bear a son that you will call his name Jesus for he will save Who? the shepherds, Jerusalem Israel the whole world, no he will save his people from their sins We begin to capture it already. The promise then was to his covenant people. The promise was given to the church. Jesus was given to God's people. Jesus came to spiritual Israel. Jesus came into the world. God had sent Jesus into the world to save Israel, his chosen particular covenant people, his promise was with and to Israel indeed, but as scripture makes so ever so clear to us, and as Paul writes to us in his letter to the Romans, not all Israel is Israel. That means then that the promise, the Savior, was not sent to save all of the world, nor even all of those numbered among Israel. You'll remember the covenant God made with Abraham and his seed. The promise was not to all of the natural descendants of Abraham. The promise was to Isaac and not to Ishmael. The promise was to Jacob, not to Esau. The promise was to all of Abraham's spiritual descendants in that one seed, Jesus Christ. And now here in Bethlehem, that promise was fulfilled for to you, to all people, is born this day. That is not to say that the Savior was given to all people universally and indiscriminately. No, when the angel says the Savior is born to you and to all men, what is meant there is to all people, regardless of nationality, to the Jew and to the Gentile, to all, to all regardless of age, wealth, fame, social status, male, female, there was no distinction. Even the lowly shepherds were included. The promise of salvation by grace through faith is for all those who believe, for all who have faith, and faith is a great gift of God's grace to all who will seek him. And these shepherds laying in the fields, watching their flocks, were among the number of God's people who waited, who awaited the fulfillment of the promise. And see, here it was, here it was. Fear not, for I bring you tidings of great joy, for to you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Oh, the shepherds heard the message and they could hardly contain themselves. My dear Precious people of God gathered with me here this morning. How do you respond to such glorious news, knowing that it is for you? Come with me and do as the shepherds did. Come with me to the plains of Ephrata and let us follow these shepherds to Bethlehem. Come, let us see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. <coughs> imitate with me these shepherds, the response of these shepherds to the message of the angel. No sooner had heaven's doors closed up again. No sooner had that angelic choir disappeared. But immediately they were spurring each other on. Come, let us go. Come, let us go to Bethlehem. Come and let us go and see that which the Lord has made known to us. That the, the, angels, the angels had barely gone. And the shepherds were already on their way to Bethlehem. There was not a moment's hesitation. They didn't stop to question, to argue about it, or to reason out that which they had heard. They didn't want to enter into a discussion if at all of this glory was perhaps not meant for them. No, they heard the glorious gospel unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And immediately they said, let us go to Bethlehem. Let us go and see and find him and let us go and worship the Christ of God. They didn't hesitate, they didn't put it off. No, without a single doubt, they rose to their feet and they go to Bethlehem to embrace the Savior and to call him their own. We can learn so much from these lowly shepherds. How different is often our own response to the message from God. God comes to us in his word from this pulpit, demanding of us a response but so often we want to hesitate. Oh, not yet, Lord. I'm not yet done analyzing it, Lord. I need to, I need to consider all of this for, for a little while yet, Lord. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should talk about it. Maybe we should even appoint a committee and give it some time to sink in. Doesn't that sound about right about us? We hear the gospel message. We hear God setting His great love before us, and we know of the required response. But we want to discuss it. We want to argue or murmur. We want to we want to reason it out. Actually, we want to explain it. So we're actually, in most cases. We want to explain it away so that we don't have to do what the Lord requires of us. But see here the response of the shepherds to the gospel message. Come, let us make haste. Let us go to Bethlehem to see that which God has made known to us. Oh, what a blessedness would be ours if we too would imitate these men and if we would learn to say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. In faith these shepherds go to the city of David and what did they see? Just a small, dirty stable. And inside they saw Mary, Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger. A little baby lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths, rags actually. And yet through the eyes of their faith they saw the Savior who was Christ the Lord. They couldn't explain it all. They didn't understand it all. Neither were they fully aware of all the implications of this gracious miracle of God. The child had to grow, he had to preach, he had to teach, and he had to perform his miracles. He had to suffer, he had to die on the cross, he had to rise again on the third day. Only then would they understand. But here and now, as they peered into that manger, the shepherds knew that they saw the Savior who was Christ the Lord. Their hearts had been opened by the word of God, spoken by the angel. They had heard, they came, they saw. Oh, indeed, they saw only the beginning to be sure, but they saw and they believed. Let us now also stand at that stable in Bethlehem. We too need to go to that Bethlehem and we need to see there what the Lord has made known to us. The experience and the response of the shepherds needs to be ours as well. The Lord has not told us of any of the the things that the world presents to us as a representation of Christmas. There were no sparkling lights on the stable. There were no decorated trees. There was no Santa Claus, no snowmen or reindeer. It was not even a, a nativity scene as we see them today. My dear precious people of God, the world also celebrates Christmas. But their celebration is, or at least should be, so very different from yours. The world has her trees, which she decorates with her tinsel and her garland. The world has her pageants and nativity scenes, but those scenes are sanitized to make them more palatable. The stable is swept clean. The manger is scrubbed and fresh straw is placed in it. A doll is placed in there. And the world turns on the lights and and exclaims, Come and see the beauty of Christmas. Oh, the world's telling of the Christmas story is so radically different. For in reality, there was only a dark stable, a dirty feeding trough for animals. But despite her bright lights, the world cannot see that he was the Savior who is Christ the Lord given out of the love of the Father's heart to rescue men and women from the kingdom of darkness in which they have plunged themselves because of their sin. Oh, we see the child of Bethlehem. He's no different from any other baby. He suffers hunger and he cries. His body is susceptible to sickness and disease. There is no halo around his head. He is weak, mortal, newborn baby, subject to death. Oh, indeed, he cannot die before the appointed hour. And in fact, as the Son of God, he has the power to lay down his life and to take it up again. But you can't see that in Bethlehem. No, we see only the Son of God in the likeness of sinful flesh. My dear people of God, the shepherds, they lived before the cross. They saw yet, as it were, only shadows. But we here this morning in Bowmanville, we stand beyond Golgotha and we see so much more than did these simple God-fearing shepherds. Christmas is so much more than a sentimental story about a poor mother who had to give birth to a child in a stable. It's so much more than lights, tinsel, trees, and garland. In fact, Christmas has nothing to do with these things at all. Those are only the cosmetics. That's only the window dressing that the world has draped over the Christmas story. In fact, those things, those things, people of God... Christmas trees and the tinsel and the garland and all those, those ornaments and lights, those things have served the world well to hide the true meaning of Christmas. The world decorates herself with tinsel in order to mask and to cover her sin, and so she sees only the holly and the ivy. But we stand after the fact of Golgotha. We look into the manger and we see so much more. We see Bethlehem in the full revelation of God's glorious plan of redemption for a fallen and lost mankind. Standing at the manger, we see already, we see the child. We see the child already debating with the theologians at 12 years of age in the temple. We peer into that manger and we see, we see him being about his father's business. We gaze at the Christ in the stable and we see, we see him being baptized with a view to his death. We pause there at the manger. We see, we see him being tempted in all points like us, sin accepted. We see him preaching, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. We see him giving sight to the blind, healing the sick, making the lame walk. We see him raising the dead to life. Oh, God's great, amazing grace, God's great love brings us to our knees at that manger. And as we worship him, we see him as a man of sorrows, as he is led through the agonies of Gethsemane. We look into that manger in Bethlehem, and already we see him, led by the soldiers through the courts of Caiaphas and Pilate and Herod. We see him being led by his father to the cross of Golgotha. Through our tears of deepest shame, mixed with our tears of indescribable gratitude, we see him. We see him hanging in agony on that accursed tree bearing our guilt, our sin, our shame, yours and mine, And we see him sinking into the depths of suffering, the pangs of our hell in our place. And finally, we see him laying down his life. And on the morning of the third day, we see his empty tomb in the garden of Joseph of Arimathea. Christ is risen indeed. And we see him live. We see him ascending into glory. And now we await a glorious day when he will come again on the clouds of heaven oh the shepherds didn't see all of that they saw only shadows and yet they believed how about us here this morning did we hear and see all of that if not you have not yet been to Bethlehem but the shepherds Having seen and believed the Christmas gospel, they returned, glorifying God and praising him for all the things they had heard and seen. And with the joy of the song of the angels echoing in their hearts and souls, they returned. They had been eye and ear witnesses of the beginning of the end. They had had a glimpse of heaven and they returned under the power of the the word of God as witnesses they made known the wonders of Bethlehem. They made known what was told them concerning this child. And through the eyes of their faith they saw the Son of God incarnate. And along with the angels they blend their voices in song to sing glory to God, glory to God in the highest. Oh, people of God, here now is our comfort, our comfort in life and in death. This is our hope and our peace. Peace. Amidst this troubled, restless world in which we live. With that joy in our hearts, we go on our way rejoicing, glorifying God, and confidently praising Him for all that we have heard and seen and have been told. And if you, along with the shepherds, have been to Bethlehem, then you have seen Christ, your Savior. Then join also your songs of praise with the angels, singing glory to God in the highest. We'll do that tomorrow morning. Oh, this season we do not sing of Christmas trees or magical elves. We do not not even worship that little town of Bethlehem. No, we worship the God of all glory, who so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son to be Savior of the world. Glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Shall we pray? Christians awake, salute the happy morn whereon the Savior of the world was born. Rise to adore the mystery of love which hosts of angels chanted from above. With them the joyful tidings first begun of God incarnate in the Virgin Son. O oh, may we keep and ponder in our mind God's wondrous and of saving lost mankind. Trace we the babe who hath retrieved our loss from his poor manger to his bitter cross. Tread in his steps, assisted by his grace, till our imperfect state God doth replace. Then may we hope, angelic hosts among, to sing redeemed a glad triumphal song. He that was born upon this joyful day around us all his glory shall display. Saved by his love, incessant we shall sing eternal praise to heavens almighty.